Hello everybody and welcome to the Glory Glory Podcast. I'm your host as always, Kel Quinn. I join me today is Brush, a huge Match United fan. He's a regular on YouTube. How's it going, Brush? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yourself? Uh, I'm okay. Reasonably all right. But uh, once again, a very, very disappointing night uh, at uh, Turf Moor this time. Um, similar to the, the, the Middlesbrough game, um, where we should have been 4 0 up at half time, um, ended up drawing the game somehow. Uh, it was really, really disappointing second half performance. Obviously, we're going to talk about Harry Maguire, we're going to talk about VAR, but all that aside, United should have put Burnley away. What, what's your thoughts? Absolutely. And we're seeing the same mistakes again and again, unfortunately, where we are creating the chances and we're just not putting them away and we're getting punished for it as a result. Um, and I don't know what you make of this, Carl, but. You know, I question the mentality of the team because it seems to be a thing where when things aren't going right, when we can't get that second goal and then we concede, uh, everything just, you know, gets lost. And the team, it's almost like a mental blockage when we concede. They can't get over that line and get back into the game. So, yeah, it's quite concerning. Yeah, that is exactly why I was desperate to get the second goal uh, last night because... They seem to have a, there is seems to be a weakness there when they suffer a minor setback, they just don't seem to be able to recover from it. I mean, once Burnley scored, then the game completely changed. It was Burnley creating all the, most of the chances, and they look more likely to score. So it's just more of the same, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that's the frustrating part because you know we've had the term you know game of two halves, and it really was. Uh, in that first half, we, we utterly dominated. I thought Pogba, you know, on his return, did quite well. He was everywhere, covering everything. Um, it was quite physical as well, getting stuck in, which I don't mind too much, provided you don't, you know, get booked in that. Yeah, I thought Paul Pogba was good again, just as he was against Middlesbrough. He's been very impressive since he returned from injury. Um, he scored a turf moor, just like he did last season. Um, I suppose the only thing you would say about it is that he's probably playing for a contract elsewhere. Would you subscribe to that? Uh, probably, probably. Um, but, you know, he's on big money. We've got him. Uh, he's better than anything we've got. So my thing is, whilst he's here, we just utilise him and, you know, see what happens in the summer. But I'm not thinking that far ahead. For the time being, he's our player and I'm happy to use him. Yeah, if he's playing like this, then he's he's a huge asset. It's just... Uh, you go back to his just before his injury, his, his last game before he got injured, I think it was against um, Atalanta away, and he was shocking in that game. He was, he's capable of going from the sublime to the ridiculous, but at the moment, yeah. it's a sublime on you know, long may that's, continue. Uh, yeah, that's the issue with him, isn't it? It's 50 Shades Pogba. <laughs> which, <laughs> which one are you going to get on the day? Um, but yeah, like you say, if he's playing like this, you know, we, we've absolutely got no problems with him. The only thing I will say is, you know, he is a player who does his best work on the ball and getting forward. And as such, when he expresses himself, he does have a tendency to give it away from time to time. Um, so, you know, but that's a problem that can be, could, be, could be solved if we had a proper DM behind him to clean up any of those messes. Yeah, well, I'm sure every United fan on every podcast and every YouTube channel knows that we need to sign a midfielder uh, as soon as possible. Um, hopefully that would be the priority in the summer. You know, Declan Rice is the name that's been talked about quite a lot. Is that someone you would like, you know, to sign? I think he's a brilliant player. Uh, what concerns me is the price tag involved. 
Um, obviously, he's young. He's English as well, so that comes with the extra tax. Um, but I'm hearing quotes of ninety to a hundred million, uh, and the situation our club finds itself in at the moment. I don't want us to jump the gun and end up in a potential Harry Maguire situation again, because you know I think when we're talking those sort of figures that's when you're really just putting the finishing touches on a team, you know, when you're one, two pieces away from really, truly challenging. And I don't think that's where Man United are at right now. No, definitely not. We probably thought we were there back in the summer, but we know for sure that we're not now. And we couldn't, we probably can't afford to splash 100 million of our budget on just one player. Exactly. This is the thing. It's all, it all comes down to budget, doesn't it? Like if money was no object, absolutely. I'd be like, yeah, get Rice in. He's a fantastic player. Uh, but yeah, you know that for the price of Declan Rice, you could maybe get three players, and that's what we need to do. We need to rebuild as a team and get stronger. And plus, there's so many players as well whose contracts are up and they're likely to leave and whatnot. Yeah, I couldn't see United signing any more than three or four players in the summer. So there's going to be going to have to be a few youngsters getting promoted, and obviously Garner and Hannibal uh, will be two of those, and um, Alanga already. So. But they have got major talent, so it is exciting from from that point of view. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm definitely excited about that. My only concern is uh, because, like you say, you know, we don't. Well, at the best of times, we've not done as much business as we should in summer windows, and this one's going to be huge. When you really look at the amount of players that could be leaving, like you know, Martial's probably gone. Uh, Cavani's contract's up. Um, Lingard is out the door. Uh, who else? One matter. One matter and Matic. They're both, you know, like been lovely servants, but it's time for them to move on. Uh, the Donny situation, the Pogba situation, uh, defense as well. We need, uh, you know, more reliable defenders. Even our backup options, like Eric Bailly, I think when he's fully fit, it's a wonderful thing. But how often is do we get to see a fully fit Eric Bailly? Um, you'd, ex- you'd expect at least one of Bay or Jones to leave in the summer, I would say, as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a lot of work there. Um, my only concern is if they don't get enough uh, through the door, do they then extend the contracts of who whoever's there just so that, you know, it sees us through for another year? But I think that would be the wrong thing to do. But it would be typical of Man United to do that. It would be. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they did that. Um. So, coming on back to last night again, um, another slight positive was the performance of Jaden Sancho. Probably his best performance in United shirt to date. Would you go along with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually have no concerns about Jaden Sancho. Even, like, in the last couple of months, my thing has always been with Jaden that, you know, if you give him a string of games and you play him, he's going to perform. He's just never had been given that opportunity and consistency. The only concern I would say that we had... It's probably that all last year we were screaming and shouting for a right winger and we thought that Jaden would come in and solve that right-hand side. But, you know, he's he's taken to the left. So we're kind of kind of left with still needing a right-sided player. I don't know how you feel about Rashford, but I'm not comfortable with him on the right. I'm not either. I actually think Sancho plays really well on the right as well and I would prefer if they switch wings if you look at the goal, the Pogba goal from last night it came from Rashford playing down the left hand side and, and Sancho's on the right they were switching wings quite a lot but the, the goal came from Rashford being on the left so 
I think Ralph needs to needs to look at that and you know, consider swapping yeah, wings. I, I'm not sure why that is actually, um, but I, I can only assume there must be something in training or something that we're not picking up on, because obviously under successive management regimes, this has happened now. Because even under Oli, when Sancho was getting a look in, you know, he wasn't out on the right for very much of it. Yeah, and a lot of Sancho's good player this season, even before last night, came on the right. You know, the 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 Donny goal against Watford came from a Sancho cross from the right hand side, and I think also against Chelsea, wasn't he? I think he might have been playing on the right and he scored in that game. But yeah, um, there have been a few occasions where he has done well on the right, and I thought he, he looks more comfortable there because he can get take go past the left back and cross the ball in with his, uh, his right foot. But on the left-hand side, he, the, the right back knows he's going to try and cut in on his right foot. He very rarely seems to go uh, the other side and try to use his left foot. Um, he's very right-footed, isn't he? That, that's that's yeah. kind of the thing. Um, and he's not really a pace player either, so he's not going to outrun uh, the opponent. No, he's he's only uses his trickery really to beat opponents yeah. like like we seen last night. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I was complaining quite a lot about Sancho playing on the left, but after last night, you know, I'm more comfortable with him playing on the left. Either wing yeah. suit me. But to yeah. accommodate to accommodate Rashford, I think he should play on the right and Rashford on the left because Rashford has to play on the left. Yeah, that's that's the problem. I mean, with Sancho, I've seen him on the left quite a few times for uh, Dortmund as well, and he looks very comfortable there. And either side, I think you know he is the future for us. So. I'm quite happy with that. Uh, the right-hand side at the moment is an issue. Um, you know, there was one or two people today on Twitter, actually, who threw up the question, would you sell Rashford? Um, I mean, for me, if the offer was right, it's something that I would give serious consideration to. But I think because of the whole brand as a whole, I can't see it happening. You know, the sto- you know, the fact that he is homegrown, he's come up through the academy, all the stuff that he's doing off the field, which is amazing work, um, I know it has nothing to do with football on the field, but, you know, we are a brand, unfortunately, and they look at all of these different aspects. So for those reasons, I can't see us getting rid of him. Yeah, I can't either. I wouldn't be surprised if he's at United for life, to be honest. Uh, given, yeah. given the Greenwood situation, uh, the fact that Lingard is going to be leaving the club, I don't see Rashford going anytime soon. So Yeah, neither do I. Uh, the problem is, the thing is, if you accept Rashford for what he is, I don't think, people would have as much of an issue with him. I think it's gotten to a stage now where the brand has, you know, overtaken the talent of Rashford. I don't know. I think people look at Rashford and they expect things that he's not capable of. If you just, you know, accept him for what he is, I think you can appreciate him a bit more. Like for me, if our aim is to get back to the real glory is, you know, when we're consistently challenging for league titles and fighting in Europe, then players like Rashford can only be squad players. They're not the key men that you you rely on. Yeah, I think in a in a vintage United squad that that wins the the league and the Champions League, Rashford would be a very good squad player, but he yeah. wouldn't get in the starting eleven. I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, and his decision decision making as well is an issue. And some of the flaws that we've seen in his game, you know, it's the same things we were talking about a couple of years ago. And he's like what twenty four now. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't see there being too many changes now. I think what we have as a player now is what we have. So you just have to play to his strengths and use him accordingly. Well, last night, he was frustrating me again because he just puts his head down and blasts the ball towards the goal rather than yeah. trying to 
pick out a teammate or pick out a corner. He just seems to blast his feet at the keeper all the time. Done it against Middlesbrough, done it against Burnley. It's very, very frustrating. Yeah, his decision-making is atrocious. Also, I've noticed as well, whenever he has time on the ball, that's really bad for him. <laughs> Every time he has it and he quickly gets it out of his feet, that's the best. Um, you almost have to give him individual training and tell him, it's like, listen, Rashi, I need you to treat the ball like it's a ticking time bomb. Just get it out of your feet. <laughs> Yeah, I wish the manager w- w- would have those words with him um, because if he could make a few adjustments, he could be a great player. Yeah, that's the thing. And then, you know, when he has scored, when he's come off the bench and, you know, he as an impact sub, he's, he's done brilliantly. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I love Rashford coming off the bench for the last 20 yeah. minutes because when teams are tired, the last thing that you want to do is play against is his come up, Yeah, come up against his legs and he's got energy to burn. So, you know, that's perfect for him, really. Although he wouldn't be happy with that. that no. <laughs> uh, also, the, the the wages we give him as well. But I mean, we'd have to. We need to get into that. That's a whole different issue with our wage structure. It's an absolute mess. I know. Um, the only thing is, this summer with everybody's contracts, with a lot of contracts running out, and some people want to leave because they're not playing, and yeah. the wage bill will be heavily reduced. So it'll be you know scope to to get that down a wee bit because yes. it is insane. I mean. It, well, before Donnie and, and Martial left on loan, I think it was the highest wage bill in world football. And we're not getting the, the best brand of football in the world, are we? We're, you know, if you're paying the highest wages in world football, you'd expect the team who's challenging for the league and the Champions League every single season. But we're nowhere near that level. Yeah, yeah. This is the problem, mate. This is, uh, you know, this is why you need footballing people in footballing positions to make those decisions. And, you know, we just haven't been doing that for, for so long now. Um, you know, wh- why have we got a goalkeeper, backup goalkeeper on 150 grand a week? You know, know and, and we've got four goalkeepers. And Tom Heaton is an able deputy and he's perfectly fine as a backup goalkeeper in the Premier League. Uh, Dean needs first team football, especially at his age. Um, so for the life of me, I can't understand why we haven't loaned him out. Uh, he's probably frustrated with that himself. Um, yeah. I, I read today from uh, Samuel Lockhurst that United and Newcastle tried to negotiate a swap deal, Henderson for Dubravka, uh, but Dubravka didn't want to be David Gay's understudy. And you can understand that if he's starting at Newcastle, yeah. why would he come to United and sit on the bench? You know, it's perfectly reasonable. I just don't understand why, uh, you know, they're not rating Tom Heaton. <laughs> I know what was the point in bringing them in then if they're not going to use him? Yeah, yeah, he's experienced, he's homegrown as well, and we've uh, one or two of the best games he's ever had is, have been against us. Um, we already had one irrelevant keeper in Lee Grant, so why do we need to bring in another one? Yeah, yeah, I just it doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, in regards to that, I kind of like Chelsea's model where you know nobody goes to waste, everyone's loaned out, and you know improving and doing something and even if they sell players they usually are quite you know resilient with that as well with their contingency plans uh and they have buyback clauses and things inserted oh yeah they, they, i mean they have football people making football decisions there yeah um maria branister or something she's you know very very smart when it comes to football business Whereas, yeah i'm not fooled by what richard arnold's been saying that it's going to be you know, more power given to the football department um, of John Merda, Fletcher, Ranyak and whoever the manager is in the summer. I fully expect Matt Judge and Richard Arnold to still be sticking their nose in. This, yeah, this is a big, big concern. I mean, when Ralph came in, 
it wasn't so much his managerial CV that got me excited. It was more so what he was going to do potentially upstairs at the end of the season. Uh, you know, having looked into seeing the projects that he's overseen at like Leipzig, because that is really his forte. Uh, but, you know, we need clarification on what his exact role is. And even Ralph doesn't know what his role is or what's going to happen. Uh, I'm not a big fan of this advisory business. I mean, what, what does that even mean? I have said that myself in his initial press comments when he was asked about it. He didn't really seem to know what that role entailed. He was just focusing on being a coach. Um, yeah. Does that mean he's going to be a technical director or is he just going to be asked for his advice on certain matters or what is it? It just it doesn't mean anything. No, yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they just paid him off at, at the end of the season. There's every chance that, there, there's every chance that he could walk away simply. Um, it's, it's all crazy. I mean, that in terms of that whole structure, though, I mean, it's just it's just wrong because you've got John Murto, who is now the director of football. We didn't have one for so long. Now he has actually requested the help of uh, of Ralph. Now there's two ways we can break that down because that, on the one hand, is quite concerning that you've given you've hired a DOF who admitted that there's certain things that he's lacking in, who needs help, that he needs help with. Uh, so in one sense, all right, fair enough, you've identified an area of weakness uh, that you need help with. But then on the other hand, for a club, the stature of Man United, should that be the case? Should you be learning on the job? Can we not go out and get a DOF who's already certified, who's qualified, who knows what they're doing? You know, uh, and then with Richard Arnold as well, taking over from uh, Ed Woodward, he's, ha he's in a similar situation where Richard Arnold said, listen, I'm going to be sticking to the marketing side of things. I mean, which kudos to him because that's what Ed Woodward should have done because he didn't have a clue uh, about the footballing side. Uh, so Richard Arnold's at least come out and admitted that. But then if that's the case, then create an actual position for Ralph, which entails exactly what he's going to be in charge of. Yeah, uh, what I would like to see um, would, would be him being the director of football, in all honesty. Yeah. Given, given that John Merta has already been given that role, then Ralph should be made the, the other technical director alongside Dorn Fletcher, and that would make a lot of sense. And um, it would also be nice to have a technical director who wasn't in trackies on, and on the sidelines chewing gum. <laughs> I, I just don't understand that at all. I've never seen that before, ever. I'm just... Uh... <laughs> that needs to be clarified by the club. What What, what is his role? Yeah, yeah, because I've never seen a technical director just on the touchline. <laughs> and, and, and Chris Amas, who is he talking to in these earphones in every game? Oh, I, wouldn't, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't like to speculate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, coming back to uh, last night, um, there was a couple of obvious negatives, and one of them being Harry Maguire, another atrocious yeah. performance. I think he's probably had two game, two good games all season. The rest have been absolutely shambolic. Yeah. Um, he was a. I think he made two mistakes in the build up to the goal. Um, he even it was his fault that Rafael Varane didn't get his first goal for United last night. I was devastated about that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, another stinker from Harry Maguire. What are your thoughts on him? Uh, I saw the replay back today, and it looks even worse than yesterday. I mean, he takes our own players out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's it's even worse. Um, again, uh, you know, it just speaks to United's poor planning over the years. Uh, it was a panic buy. Um, uh, it was one that I couldn't make sense of at the time because, you know, if you're going to break the world record for a player, 
that's quite a significant move. And you do that when you know the player is good enough. Why would you spend a world record fee on a player who isn't top 10 in his position in the world and probably hasn't got the potential to reach that level? It makes absolutely no sense. Um, I think he probably pinches himself every day, uh, wondering, wow, what am I doing at Old Trafford? And I think that shows in his game as well. Uh, I think the pressure is probably a bit too much for him. Uh, the captaincy as well was given to him very early on. Uh, it's just the blind leading the blind, really. Um, and I don't like to go in on Maguire. You know, I do think he's a decent defender. I just don't think he's up to the task of what we require him to do. Yeah, you could you could argue that he could be a backup defender for Man United, but he can't be the captain who starts every single game at, at centre half. That's yeah, completely unreasonable. Yeah. Another thing that kind of annoyed me about his post-match interview again, no, it's the same stuff that's churned out all the time <laughs> with these players when they don't get a result. But when talking about the, the Burnley goal that was conceded, he seemed to blame everybody collectively rather than taking responsibility himself for that goal, which he should have done. And that kind of annoyed me a wee bit. Especially as captain as well, because, you know, that shows a lack of leadership. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing the new manager has to do is strip him of the captaincy and give it to somebody. Yeah, who, honestly, um, I mean, I know, well, whatever we decide to do with Harry Maguire, you're going to make a loss. But I think it's one of those decisions where you just have to, you know, you have to pull the trigger. Um, yeah, whatever, I think he... w- sorry, whatever way I uh, break it down, I just think there's alternatives out there that would work better than this because with him whatever we try to do I just feel like we're trying our best all the time to masquerade his deficiencies I know it's just I mean I've seen fans on Twitter calling for Lindelof to come back into the team and that's fair enough I don't disagree with that but let's not make out as if Lindelof is some kind of world-class centre-back because he's not he might be a better option than Maguire but you know he's turned far too easily as well by strikers like Ollie Watkins. Yeah. yeah. So he's a good alternative for now, but you know in the long term he's not the answer either. Absolutely, but at, at least with Victor, he's. I mean, I'm happy with Victor. He could. He's got a role to play, like as a squad player uh, in the first team. The one thing that really lets Lindelof down uh, is his lack of aggression. He's too standoffish. Um, I think there might be one or two other leagues in Europe which are paid at a played at a bit of a slower pace that would probably suit his game more yeah I've I've often said that the the La Liga would really suit the Lindelof yeah. probably playing for Barcelona when they're you know, they're dominating possession at the at the camp now and he doesn't have that much defending to do and he can just show off all his ball skills that, that, yeah. that would be the perfect arena for him um okay coming on to VAR I mean another disaster last night we do, we're not getting the rub of the green at the minute that, that's obvious to say um, uh, when it rains it pours as they say everything just seems to be going against us at the minute yeah i mean the, the handball against millsbury was absurd how, how that stood I, I don't a ridiculous decision i don't know i don't care what rule they pull out of the bag i'm just not having it um last night very very soft uh, decision to disallow the own goal because of a apparent foul by Pogba. I mean, yeah. I mean, having watched it back as well, at first I thought it was a foul, and then I watched it back. I just think it's a bit clumsy, and it's because he's quite lanky as well. It's the way he falls. Uh, you know, I don't think there's anything he can do really about his arms being in the way. 
Yeah, for me, it shouldn't the goal shouldn't have been ruled out for something as soft as that. And then, um, the other goal that was ruled out, um, what was the reason for that again? Um, is is that many disallowed United goals these days? Mm. <laughs> What was the which goal was it that was really like the first one? That was uh, really the like? the Varane one was Harry Maguire. Oh, that's it. Yeah, Maguire yeah. was in an offside position when he blocked off one of the defenders. I suppose you could say we benefited from a similar decision uh, against Aston Villa in the FA Cup when when uh, Cavani was blocked off by uh, one of their players that led the uh, led to an Aston Villa equaliser being disallowed. So yeah, I suppose we can't really complain too much about that. But for me, the the, the own goal has to stand. It was it was. There wasn't much of a foul there. Uh, yeah, in that one though, I did think they reached the right conclusion in the end. But I think there was a little bit of big game, uh, big team bias, definitely. Because I think if it was any other club, they probably wouldn't have spent as long as they did, like checking it from every single angle. Yeah, the Aston Villa one. Yeah, the Villa one. Uh, not, but last night, if, if Pogba fouled the the, the the Burnley defender, then what about the the clear nudge? Uh, by Tarkowski on Rashford when Rashford is running at full pace. Is that not a penalty? Yeah, you know, these are the things, these are the things that go against us. And I think, I think certain referees as well, you know, they look out for these things and they have certain biases and already intrinsically in their head, they've got an idea of what certain players are like and how easily they go down and look at their stature and things. Um, and I think that all plays a part. But it really annoys me, though, that we're sat here having to discuss these VAR decisions because, honestly, um, there's been some really good moments of football from us. It's just a shame that we can't concentrate on that because it shouldn't even come to any of this. Um, you know, having looked back at the Middlesbrough game, I had to sleep on it for one or two days. I still felt a bit rubbish about it afterwards. But because, you know, because in the aftermath of that, I was thinking, oh, wh wh why are we sending Cavani on leave? You know, he should be there on the bench. Like, why am I looking at the bench thinking, wow, we can't take Ronaldo off because because uh, there's no one to come on and we've got two goalkeepers on our bench. It's ridiculous. But then when you look at it another way, you think, wow, whatever team we put out should be capable of comfortably beating Middlesbrough. And when you watch the game highlights back as well, we absolutely dominated for, for you know, a fair bit of that game. And you just get punished for not taking your chances. Yeah, I think we've played some beautiful football in the last two games and we've come away yeah. with 2-1 each row somehow. It's really, really fr frustrating that there. Um, if we could actually convert our chances and not be unlucky with VAR, mm. we could have won the, both those games 4-0. Uh, Absolutely. But... And that is the one thing that gives me a glimmer of hope. Um, I mean, and when I say glimmer of hope, I don't mean like for top four and stuff. I'm not even looking at that. Uh, anything from this season as a bonus as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but just, you know, we're looking for signs of uh, growth and things to build on. And I am seeing stuff under Ralph, uh, be it slow and steady progress. There is progress being made, and that's somewhat encouraging. Yeah, I think he said that himself, um, that the, the team are starting to, to play better as a unit and they're, they're, they're doing what he's asking them to do and yeah. what they're being coached to do on the training ground. So there is slight positives in that, but you know, in the in the near future, these had to be converted into three nil, four nil wins. Absolutely, there's no excuses for not doing so. Um, but yeah, it's one of those where we really have to wait for the summer. Um, I don't know how you felt about this transfer window, but the fact that they that nobody was brought in was kind of telling as well. 
uh, it makes me wonder, well, is it because you're just waiting for the summer and you want the new manager to come and, you know, sort things out? Or, But it's, uh, yeah, somewhat discouraging because you'd think with a DOF, you could still identify, you know, certain players who would work under any manager, you know? Like a club of our size, we should be scouting 24-7 anyway. Um, I know before the transfer window opened, we were linked to uh, the Julian Alvarez, the kid from um, uh, River Plate, quite heavily uh, when they said that, you know, uh, there's a good chance of Cavani uh, leaving as well as uh, Martial. And then we had nothing from it. And now City have snapped him up. And now that he's went to City, he'll turn out to be the next Aguero. <laughs> it's written in the stars, isn't it? Now he's going to turn out to be amazing. And we're just going to... Oh, yeah. If it, wonder if it, what could have been. If he came to United, he would have been an absolute flop. That's just the way it, it Listen, works. if he came to us, he would have been the next Diego Forlan. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, another name that was actually being linked in, in the last 24 hours is the Dortmund centre-back, uh, Manuel Obafemi. Akanji. Akanji, Akanji Yeah. Yeah, Akanji, yeah. He's out of contract in 2023, um, and he could be available for as little as €30 million Euro in the summer. Apparently, he's a United support, supporter, and uh, United are interested in him. Would you see him as someone who come in and partner Rafael Varane? Uh, I've not seen enough of him to make a proper judgment, if I'm being totally honest with you. Um, so I'll need to see more. This is the Swiss guy, right? Is he Swiss? Yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I've seen him a few times. He looks very pacey. Um, but yeah, I haven't really analyzed his game like that. So I'll need to see more of him before I can make a proper judgment. All I know is that what we currently have going on is not it. <laughs> uh, and also, like, you know, I'm not expecting a like for like change or any sort of world class replacement to come in or anything. It's going to be a work in progress. So, what we really need to look at is like the age and potential and, you know, work towards something. There's nothing wrong in a player coming in and, you know, in a year and a half to two years' time being the finished article or close to that. Well, he's, he's going to be 27 by the time next season starts. So, you expect that he's going to be the finished article if you never sign him. Um, yeah. Like, if he's better than Harry Maguire and better than Lindelof and Bailly, then, you know, £30 million is a snip. I would, I would uh, go. I mean, 30, 30 million in this market, in this day and age, you're going to pay that for any centre-back, aren't you, really? And honestly, we need them, uh, you know, because Bailly, Bailly's done. Um, Jones is probably going to leave as well. So we're short. And who knows what's going to happen with Axel. Yeah, I think at the very least we're going to sign a midfielder, uh, a centre back, possibly a right back, and you know probably a forward as well. I wouldn't expect any more than that though. You know, yeah. not not the sort of club that goes out and buys six or seven players in a window when yeah. Manchester City really and, do that. And even and even what you just mentioned—that's quite, <laughs> you know, that's quite a task to do in one summer. It is for this club. Yeah. For for this club, based on what we've seen over the last decade or more. It's uh, it's a difficult job for them. Yeah, it's usually three in, three out. But I mean, three in might not be enough, considering how many no. people are going to be leaving this summer. Yeah, yeah. I can only assume that this means that the youth are going to get a proper chance, and they'll make up the bench and whatnot, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I've been absolutely dying to, to see Jimmy Garner in the United first team because I think, based on what I've seen from him, he's got 
his ceiling is a lot higher than Fred's on McTominay's. And again, Scott McTominay's capable of having good games against opponents like Leeds, but uh, last night he was shocking again, I have to be honest. Yeah. When Matic signed his last extension, uh, initially I was a bit concerned and I was like, oh, this is kind of worrying because he's already on the decline. We can see it. But then I was thinking, you know, if we keep him around as like a mentor to the likes of Garner, that could be a good thing. But then that obviously didn't happen and we just kept sending Garner out on loan. Yeah, I think Matic probably has to leave this summer as well because he's not he's not a, a member of the starting eleven anymore. Yeah. He's a he's a, a standing player now and yeah. he's long, long past his peak. Yeah, for me, I mean and he was never well, I mean, he was never really a pacey player even in his peak so you know it's gone down all the way to almost nothing now he just hasn't got the legs yeah and he, and he just he just chops people down now because he's so off the pace yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think he has to go realistically because if he stayed next season he's going to be what one matter is this season a player yeah. who just sits there and does nothing even last season to be fair i mean in total i think he made like nine appearances if we add up the actual uh, minutes accumulated, it probably amounts to about the total of two games. And this is a guy, you know, who's on about seven million a year in wages. One uh, matter. Yeah. You know, so, what I th- what I think happened was that Solskjaer decided to keep Mata for his experience, and then Ronaldo came in at the last minute and rendered Mata completely irrelevant, and and then he was stuck there. The thing the with what. The, the thing with one matter, I am a big fan of his. I mean, I actually, even as a player in his prime, I think we wasted him massively. Uh, the player that came from Chelsea, you know, that one back-to-back player of the years, he was amazing. We just never gave him that role as a number 10. We always had him out on that right-hand side and we, we truly wasted his talent in, during his best years. Um, what I will say about him, he's a model professional. Uh, I love the guy on and off the field. Uh, he's pleasure, absolute pleasure and a credit to this club. Uh, you know, he's someone that I would quite happily have as an ambassador after his playing days are done. But in terms of purely footballing, uh, in, in terms of just purely footballing ability and where he's at now, never should we have extended his contract and have him on those kind of wages. It just it makes no business sense. Makes no sense at all. No, it, it didn't make any sense to me either. Like you say, he made nine appearances last season. Yeah. That any player who plays nine games in a season, usually he'd be let go in that summer transfer window, but we yeah. give him another year. It didn't make sense at all. Yeah, on the same wages or similar. So, you know, that's another thing. If you're going to keep them around, explain them, explain the situation to them, offer them half the wages. Yeah. Um, yeah. He has been a great servant to the club yeah. on and off the pitch. Um, he'll always be remembered for that double at Anfield. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And always, you know, when greeting the fans, he's always the guy that will stand there and sign everything. And, you know, he, he's just a lovely person. Yeah, and, and with regards to the ambassadorial role, I, I think that conversation might have already taken place you know, behind mm. closed doors, so I wouldn't be shocked to see that at all. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, he's another one. Uh, Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you make of Ronaldo's being on the bench last night, um, well, doesn't surprise me. Um, I, I think he deserved to be on the bench on the basis of the Middlesbrough performance, but I don't think I'm. 
I think Ranyak showed a bit of courage by putting him on the bench. I'm not sure most managers would have done that, especially after the way he reacted against Brentford. But clearly, Ranyak has shown who's in charge. Um, but when he did come on, again, he had a couple of chances to, to, to score ahead of the goals and the headers went over the crossbar. So he can't really complain at the moment. I know for most of the season, we could have said about Ronaldo that he's not getting enough service. But in the last two games, especially against Middlesbrough, he has been getting the service and he's not producing the goals. I mean, for me, like when we actually break down that signing in the summer last minute, you know, obviously it wasn't planned, but you have to be reactive in the market according to changes that happen. It was the same way in which uh, we bought Van Persie, you know, because I don't think we planned for that at all. And that kind of ruined Shinji Kagawa, if you remember, because he's, he signed to play that number 10 role tucked in behind Rooney and then Van Persie arrived and everything went out the window. Um, with this one, I think the people that run our club saw the marketing potential and the and an opportunity to more than make up for any and all COVID losses with this signing. And I think that was the main motivator behind it. On the first day that the number seven was announced in the UK alone, they sold 32 million in shirt sales. And since uh, the summer to now, I think they've raised in total over 200 million from the signing of Ronaldo. Staggering sums there. Which Um, is crazy. Um, He's got like 400 million followers on Instagram. Uh, So, you know, he's everything he posts on there is pretty much like an advertisement. And I was hearing today that, you know, like per post, uh, he gets paid like 1.7 million per post. Uh, and there's quite a few pictures on there with the United badge in that as well. So I'm sure the club are saving quite a few pennies on some free marketing there as well. And I think these are the things mainly that, that they looked at, uh, looked at when when bringing him in. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm a pair for all the wrong reasons, but it's what we used to at United in the last nine years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say, though, on the football pitch, like, you know, I wasn't totally against it, but it's one of those where you need to weigh up the pros and cons and understand what it is that you're buying. Uh, the Ronaldo of now is nothing like the Ronaldo that we remember from years ago. This Ronaldo, I would say, is... I, I keep comparing this one to a Filippo Inzaghi, who is just sort of a poacher and a clinical finisher inside the box. Uh, he didn't really offer much else apart from that. But that one thing, he did very well. And this Ronaldo does have his uses. It's just that, you know, he's very limited in what he can do. And he's not the kind of player now that we can rely on or you can build a team around or that you can use week in, week out for every game. He needs to be used sparingly. Yeah, I think it was the right decision in terms of fitness on form not to to play him last night from the start. I would fully expect him then to start against Southampton at the weekend. Yeah, I've got no qualms about him you know, being benched now and again. Uh, I don't have any issues with that. What the manager says goes, as far as I'm concerned, you can throw your toys at the pram, you can complain, that's totally fine. It's part and parcel of the game. But I think because it's Ronaldo, the media and everyone jumps on it, you know. We we all know what he's like. We know he's not going to be happy when he gets substituted or whatever. But it's not a big deal for me. And did I read a stat last night that he's currently on his longest goal drought in, what, 16 years or something? It could only <laughs> happen at Man United. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, they said that uh, it's the first time uh, he's gone 
five games without scoring since like 2010 or something, which is a ridiculous stat in itself. <laughs> yeah, it is. Insane. The, the, the man's 37. I mean, you know, what professionals even make it to 37? So it, it, it's, it's phenomenal, really. Yeah, I mean, Wayne Rooney is younger than, than Ronaldo by six months and he's a manager of Derby, whereas Ronaldo's still playing for United. So <laughs> yeah. You put it like that, it's incredible. Yeah, but, yeah, him, there's Latans, they're just, you know, from another planet. Yeah, we want to see his goal. I'd put increase, though, because um, I don't like to see him uh, suffering a goal drought because uh, he's such a class player and you want to see him improve his United goal record. Um, I'm not sure what number he's on at the moment. It must be maybe 130 odd you want to see him get that right up there amongst the, the, uh, the, the, the Premier League record I think it was on 80 something and I really want him to hit hit that hit that uh, the century uh, yeah and, you want him to become one of the 100 club yeah yeah that needs to happen and also the thing is this Ronaldo it's it has to be about production it has to be about the end result so if you're if, he, if Ronaldo is not scoring he's not offering you much else so you know that is something that needs addressing yeah, and it'll be typical of him. He, he, he could go the whole month of February without scoring a goal in the Premier League. Then when he plays against Atletico in the Champions League, he'll score a hat-trick because he always gets up for the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the bicycle kick he had uh, against Barra. Oh, that, just the movement, just everything about that, the, the, the setup towards that. If only that had gone in, I'd, yeah, I'd be watching that back all day. <laughs> Yeah, if he scores one of those types of goals yeah. this season, I'm going to be elated. Um, especially <laughs> if it's in a big game, you know, at Anfield or at Eddie had or um, Atletico, it would be amazing if he if he did that. I'm sure he's got that in his locker still. Um, just going through a wee bit of a bad patch at the moment, but hopefully he comes through that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like I say, you know, with a player like Ronaldo now at his age, you need to just make up for the deficiencies you do need to give him service he needs to get into the box you do need to put on a plate for him but then if you do if there's if there's one chance in a game i know who i'd want it to fall to you know yeah definitely um he's the only reason why we're, we're even still in the champions league with the six goals in five <laughs> yeah. games um, yeah exactly yeah, uh, it's just that he hasn't i knew he wasn't the ronaldo that left my united at 24 mm. the flying winger Looking at his goal record at Juventus, I still expected a lot more from him this season. I didn't anticipate him to only have eight goals by February in the league. It's a, bit, it's a wee bit disappointing. Mm. But then the thing was that when I looked at the uh, the Juve record, you know, with Ronaldo, you have to accommodate him. You have to play around him to get the best out of him. And they did it for three years under three different managers. And, you know, the Ronaldo factor couldn't get them past the last 16 in the Champions League. Yeah, uh, they were they were really really disappointing. That's, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why he left. But coming to United at this moment in time, it's not going to improve his chances of winning the Champions League. No, no. I thought it was a very brave decision on his part. If I'm honest, um, you know, even initially when we thought he was going to City, I thought you know for him to even consider a return to the Premier League at his age, I thought it was a very brave decision. And I believe he was going to go to Manchester City. Only Alex Ferguson's intervention obviously prevented that. Yeah, so do I. I do think that was going to happen. I think it would have been a better um, career move for himself, but I'm glad it, it yeah. didn't materialise because you don't want to lose one of your legends to you know your your rivals. You, know, you don't want them gloating about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's. 
I still feel a bit sick about the Carlos Tevez situation. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great. Um, at the time, I was obviously very upset about it, but I've, I've come to terms with it over the last 13 years or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it upset me because I'm, I'm, I've always been Team Tevez. I, I, I preferred him over Berbatov. I know I'm in the minority. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I just felt like we let him down. Um, and... Yeah, the fact that he went over there and had success, it yeah, it hurts. <laughs> yeah, Ferguson should have given my contract when 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 he was calling for it. Um, when they offered him the contract at the very end, it was more like a, a token gesture, really. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it felt like. And then yeah, for me, for that Champions League final as well in '09, I think it's a different game if he starts. Um, and you know, because in '08 we had the best front three in world football. I don't care what anyone says that. You know, just the marauding attacks, the interchanges, the quick, intricate changes. Defenders didn't know who to mark. Like, they would just come at you from all angles. And then we got Berbatov in, and it just totally messed up that rhythm and flow. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I, I think Tevez mentioned as well, it was after being left out of that 09 final that, you know, he just didn't feel loved. Yeah, Fergie played the same team that beat Arsenal in the semi-final. But you're going up in levels in terms of opposition against Barcelona. You yeah. have to play your best players. I would have taken, you know, Tishon Park, I love Park, but I think he should have dropped out for Tevez in that final, if I'm yeah. being honest. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Sorry, go on. Okay, um, just... Want to do a quick rundown the, the the player ratings from last night? I'll I'll shout out mine and you tell me if you disagree with any of these. Okay. Um, De Gea, another brilliant save. Um, just remembering that now. Um, great great strong right hand on it. The stop Burnley going two one up. Um, so yeah, I definitely have to give him a seven. Um, uh, Dallo, a bit disappointing really. Um, is crossing. Just, just, just not good enough. The crossing yeah. definitely needs work. The one thing I will say about Dallo, though, he looks way more comfortable on the ball than Wambisaka. It wouldn't be too hard, Larry, would it? <laughs> <laughs> it really wouldn't. But I mean, it's just so reassuring to see because you know, Aaron, it's just yeah, it's like Bambi on ice sometimes. Um, so that that part of his game, it was nice to see, and you know, it is nice for him to be given a run of games, Dallo, because. Uh, for a long time, we've mistreated him. Like from when he arrived, we never really saw him, and it was quite a big outlay for a very young player at the time as well. And I never really understood it. Um, I never understood why we got him in if we're only just going to uh, bring in another right back a year later for just you know double the fee. Um, yeah, I think he has a role to play. Last night he went on a great direct run himself, and I think he got a bit carried away by thinking he could take it all the way. He should have just. Picked a teammate, a teammate yeah. out of the edge of the box, but he's he clearly he's got ability on the ball, which Wamasa yeah. doesn't have. So I'll probably go with a six, really. Um, Harry Maguire, I'm going to have to go with a one. He was absolutely Oof. shocking. Yeah, and that's been yeah. generous. Fran, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. class as always. Um, should have had a goal only for Maguire. Um, so I would definitely give him a seven out of ten, and b because of the goal we conceded and what Maguire did, it kind of made Varane look bad in that as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's what Maguire does to the people. Yeah, him. yeah. Luke Shaw, I don't think he was particularly brilliant last night. And I mean, 
Yeah, and both ends of the pitch, he's too narrow at times. It allows crosses to come in too easily. And then he does these cynical fouls all the time as well. He always gets a yellow card in every single game. It's, it's another position, if we're being totally honest, we need to look at in the summer. Yeah, there's too many of those. Really. <laughs> yeah, like when we really break down uh, Luke's tenure at the club, you know, he's had like one good season in what seven. Yeah, it's in very very disappointing. So yeah, yeah. I, will, I would only give him a five for last night. McTominay really really poor. Give the yeah. ball away so many times. Um, he yeah, would, he would only get a, a four in my opinion. Um, Paul, Paul I, was, well, I was disappointed in. Scotty as well because last couple of games you know I did see some uh, a little bright spark in him and because I, I know he comes in for a lot of criticism as well um, but you know there was one or two games where I was like oh this is this is good there's something for him to build on so to see it return back to what it was yesterday it was very disappointing. I think on average he's good in one every four games and that's just not good enough for, for Manchester United. Yeah I mean listen as a squad player I think you know you can play a bit part role um, I think we is one of those players where you know people are very divided and there's no nuance when it comes to Scotty. Uh, there are some that talk about him as if he's an up and coming player, as if he's 19. The man's 25, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he may not look it, but he is 25, so yeah, so there's that. And then there's the others who you know think he's just absolutely useless. I don't agree with that either. I think he does have a role to play, just. You know, in rotation. It's probably somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, four for him. Uh, Pogba, uh, you know, backed up his performance against Middlesbrough with another sparkling display, scoring a goal. Um, so, yeah, I would probably go with a seven for him too. Um, Bruno Fernandes, um, I thought he was really, really good against Middlesbrough. Probably not quite at that level last night, but... Um, he can't. He can't fault his effort. He's always trying to make things happen in the final third. And... I was impressed with his tracking yesterday as well. Uh, when Scotty did give the ball away, the fact that he did, you know, that he did a good job with that with the defensive yeah, side. There was definitely one incident where mm. he had the chase all the way back into his own penalty area because yeah. somebody gave the ball away. And yeah, that 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 was the McTominay one. <laughs> that was yeah. I was really impressed with that. That was good. Yeah, you can never fault his commitment on, yeah. on his ability. He's got a he got both of those important attributes. Mm. So yeah, but last night at probably six point five um wasn't one of his, you know, unbelievable games. Um so the forward line, Sancho, easily his best performance in the United shirt. Um it would be an eight out of ten for me for his performance. Rashford, another frustrating display, you know, mm. constantly shooting when he should be picking someone out in the middle. Um, always shooting the, the shot straight at the goalkeeper, um, but you know, putting his head down and running into the sacks and just the same mis- mistakes and flaws that you, you, we've been seeing from Rashford for a long time for, for for years now, for years. Yeah, so a definite five for me for for last night. But you can't fault his effort. Effort. He's always trying. I know sometimes yeah. people say he doesn't track back, and maybe he doesn't sometimes. But last night, day. Whenever he lost the ball, he was he was chasing after it again, trying to win it back. But the problem was that he was losing the ball far too often. Yeah. So uh, I would, uh, yeah, so justify for me. Um, Cavani sh- should have scored um, with that header from two yards out. I, I know Nick Pope knew nothing about it. It just kind of hit him on the knee and went out. We do have a habit of uh, making the opposition goalkeeper look amazing as well. Pope, <laughs> Pope pulled out some decent saves yesterday. 
Hello, we, we, we've been doing that for as long as I can remember. We used to make, yeah. Brad, we used to make Brad Friedel look like the best keeper in the world as well. Yeah, funny enough, even, even our very own Lee Grant, his best game that I've ever seen him in was against us. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Cavani probably just a sex for me. Um, you can never follow this endeavor. But uh, speaking of uh, Lee Grant there, I well, something I didn't realize was when Rooney scored his record-breaking goal against Stoke, that free kick, Lee Grant was the goalkeeper that day. <laughs> um, probably the best thing that Lee Grant has done for my end. <laughs> <laughs> Another very, very strange role there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, I can't fault the guy. It's great work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah, it's free money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, imagine that. I mean, he must be on what? I'm a rough ballpark. He must be on at least what 15, 20 grand a week, and I'm probably lowballing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just seems to be some kind of uh, a coach slash um, fourth choice keeper slash guy who moves the cones around. I just slash just Mister Motivator, just there to greet everyone. You know, it wasn't even. On. He's even playing the fourth official at one point, wasn't he? Holding up the board. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he is getting uh, his coaching badges and stuff as well. So, And that's on the club as well. The club are paying for that, I think. So, yeah, happy days. Well, he's going to need to turn out to be the, the greatest goalkeeping coach of all time for us to get our money back on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the manager last night, how would you rate him out of 10 based on his tactics and substitutions and his selections? Oh. So I have seen improvement over the last couple of games, which is the thing. Um, because initially I was quite worried and I'm glad that he realised as well that the 4-2-2-2 thing wasn't working because uh, I felt that, you know, it was a square pegs, round holes kind of thing where we just didn't have the players for what he wanted. And because, you know, having spent the best part of three years set up to counter-attack and having wide players and not utilising them was almost criminal. So... Uh, for him to realise and make those small adjustments. And generally in patches, we play very, very well. And I do like the changes that I'm seeing. So Yeah, yeah I, I, I am impressed with the, some of the football we're playing. Um, so I do feel as if we're going to hammer someone pretty soon. Uh, yeah. Chances away. I, I think we have to keep in mind as well, you know, in the grand scheme of things, he's not really been there that long and he's still working with the same squad and the same players. So it will take time. Um, I know, you know, like everyone, I was a little bit disappointed with the transfer window because on paper it looks as if we've ended it weaker than when we started. But those players that left, they weren't getting enough game time anyway. So I think in the long run, this is probably going to work out in our favour because now those players have the chance to go and showcase their talents and if it works out they get to come back in the summer and depending on the situation they may have a role to play and if they don't and they do well you know their value only goes up right so we get to sell them on for more money so it's... yeah I, I'm, I'm, I'm desperate for Danny Van der Beek to come back and um, uh, we've seen Mark Overmore's leave um, Ajax recently and he had a great relationship with Eric Ten Hag so um, a very reliable Dutch, Dutch journalist has been saying that it's highly likely now that Eric Ten Hag will leave the club in the summer so yeah. we have to go if, I want to see that deal being signed in March I want to see United go yes. get that done before the end of the season yes that that is how a competent uh, club would move and that is how well that's what I'm hoping for anyway I'm hoping that they've learnt the lessons 
from all the various mistakes over the past decade. And when we really break it down, I mean, you know, there, there was some problems from before the uh, before Ferguson left. It's just that Sir Alex was such an elite manager that he managed to uh, paper over a lot of the cracks. Because there was definitely times when he uh, protected the, the ownership and this board. Um, you know, for example, like when we initially sold Ronaldo, uh, you know, the best player in the world at the time, and replaced him with the best player at Wigan. <laughs> and Fergie was trying to convince us that there's no value in the market. You know, I think these things come from the board. And yeah. And then they've panicked, obviously, afterwards when they realised that, you know, that that gravy train had ended. And then they've just been very reactionary, trying to throw money at it, but without a clear structural plan. Yeah. Hmm. I think we're getting closer to a structural plan, but I don't think we're quite there yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all still just hope for the best, isn't it? That's that's what it is. But yeah, like you say, if we can agree uh, a deal for Ten Hag before the end of the season, that would be fantastic. I think that would give the players a bounce as well, knowing that somebody's coming in. And yeah. And then we should, we should also be targeting Van der Sar. Yeah, well, that's the ideal scenario, but I really don't see United going down that road because what, what the Glazers do, they promote within from within people that they trust. They don't yeah. want to bring in... They're not bringing a point of CEO from from another club who they don't they don't know and trust. They like these financial guys to be in those chief executive roles. Um, and Van der Sar, I couldn't see him, you know... Maybe he will, but... To come to United and kind of take on the role as director of football, it's kind of a demotion from being the CEO at another club. But oh no, that? if he if he came over, he would have to be the exec. He would have to take over from Arnold. Yeah, I don't to... see that happening. Yeah, to be honest, even, even though yeah. every fan wants to see that. Yes, yeah. and the thing is, it's not only because of his association with the club and the fact that he knows us inside out. That's a bonus. But the fact that he's been there in this position at Ajax for 10 years, they actually sent him to university and he's, you know, he's got his uh, degrees and stuff and he's proper studied this. So it would be a very, very competent appointment. And with the Glazers, you know, we'd like, we know that they are hands off. Well, if you're going to be hands off, at least put footballing people in these positions. And why these guys, financial guys, don't make the correlation between on-field success and greater profit for themselves, I will never know. Yeah, that's what I've said. I mean, you can have the best of both worlds, but they don't seem to realise that. Um, not only is Von Nassar a very competent football man, but a very competent businessman as well. But yeah. they could have went down that road this year, and they didn't. They decided to just give Arnold the role, when, and we knew exactly what they were going to do, that they were just going to give basically... Um, Woodward's understudy of the job. Yeah, and it's it's nonsense because I mean, it's not like the like there aren't templates out there that's already been set out for 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 these guys to follow. It's not rocket science. They don't have to like reinvent the wheel. Uh, you know, you can go look at uh, how Juventus have operated over the past 10, 15 years. Juventus, when we were at our prompt the last time we were winning doubles and whatnot, they got relegated to Serie B in two thousand and six. <laughs> you know, and they've rebuilt from there. Um, Bayern Munich in the late 2000s weren't too great and you look at these structures that they've had where they've done competent business they've picked up players on free transfers um, you know they've worked within a wage structure so that when the time comes they can splash on one or two players who they identified and have thoroughly scouted and we don't seem to do that uh, yeah it's just 
you know we and oh, it's one of the things that really irks me the fact that we don't sell players we never balance the books we manage to go out we manage to go out and we tend to overpay first of all we tend to stick them on high wages uh, then find it difficult to get rid of them then price them out of moves when there is interest and then they just sit there and rot and you know run their contracts down it's 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 madness absolute madness yeah i think you summed it up pretty well there um, what happens at barn is like Schweinsteiger said on the official United podcast this last week, is that they have a bunch of ax players there in the boardroom. Yeah, and and that, that's the that's the difference. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And they're uh, such a, a well-run club. Like like we, we we talked about appointing a manager next month for for next season. Well, that's a, exactly what Bayern have done. So on so many occasions, uh, including Guardiola, I think I think they might have even appointed Guardiola in January. Um, to come in in that summer, um, yeah, it was while he was on his sabbatical. He was like living in New York or something after he said that he was taking a break, and but yeah, they announced it that you know we sorted it out and he's coming in in the summer. And Manchester City did the same thing. They announced that Guardiola was coming in in the summer to yeah. replace Pellegrini. We need to do that ourselves. Um, yeah, get the manager in in March. Then we can focus on the players we're going to be bringing in. Get those players in in May and June, and then we're going to be prepared for the next season. Exactly. You do that early, and as soon as the transfer window opens, we get the ball rolling. We're ready to act. But then these lot, it's literally like they wait for the window to open, like we wait for the window to open. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's... They, it's like they start asking questions during the window. It's it's madness. I don't understand it. And 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 then running the more obstacles. When they're trying to negotiate a fee with the other club, oh, then, they, Jesus. then they have to go to Florida to make sure that the, <laughs> the Glazers sanction the move. And if they say no, then they have to go back and start again. And then uh, they get approval from the the, the director of football, the, the manager, uh, and then the negotiator, Matt Judge. And they go right, we've got another package together. Quick phone Florida again there and see will they are they okay <laughs> with this? No, nope, no, nope, we have to start again. And then it's just it's, it's, it's a circus. It's it's crazy. Um, and then uh, negotiating wise, uh, uh, I I mean I certainly had an eyebrow raised this January when Kieran Trippi- when Kieran Trippier went to Newcastle for like twelve thirteen million because in the summer they quoted us forty million. And I was just like, yeah, they saw Ed Woodward coming, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. So, so, saw Ed and thought, yeah, you know what? No, you can pay the release fee. Uh, it's Because, it's, yeah, it's craziness. <laughs> Which is amazing because Newcastle are the richest club in world football and didn't even try to whip them off. So Yeah, yeah. Them. Yeah, yeah. Because in the summer, I was a little bit annoyed because I was like, oh, you know, he's going to be 31 and 40 million is a ridiculous amount. Um but yeah, for thirteen million, I would have taken him all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he scored last night, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he scored yeah. a free kick. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah he scored a free kick in the World Cup semi-final as well. So he's capable of those types of moments. So yeah, that ship has sailed, unfortunately yeah, for us. Yeah, but um, I mean, it would have been a short-term fix anyway, due to his age and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? We're just gonna have to scout properly. I mean, yeah. they'll probably, well, we need to first of all, we need to get a competent scouting system going. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably have to scout another 804 right backs before deciding on uh, <laughs> the replacement for Arn Wan-Bissaka. See, this um, is the other thing as well. We look at structures at clubs and, you know, how they do things. Uh, the Portuguese market, uh, Porto and Benfica are two clubs who historically have raised a hell of a lot of money 
by selling players, um, you know. And why is nobody asking questions on how on how their scouting works? Who who are their scouts who are going to find these, who are who are unearthing these gems, who they turn a profit on, very very consistently? And why are we not asking questions? And you know, with the resources that we have, these are the kind of things we should be putting into play. Yeah, we should be going out there and you know, buying their their scouts, not their players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's that's exactly what we need. Yeah, that is what we need. Um, and then teams like Chelsea as well, you know, um, there's always an influx of incomings and outgoings, r- irrespective of if you if they make it to the first team or not. You need to get you need to get players through the door. Uh, you get them in uh, young, rough diamonds, and then you send them out on loan. It's it's actually a, a fantastic model in the modern game because as much as we like to ignore the fact, it is a business now, and you need to think of it like a business. And you know. I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but even on deals like De Bruyne and Salah, which we look back on now and think, oh, that was a bit silly to let them go. At the time, Chelsea actually made a profit on both of those players. Yeah, they're making profits on players who've never made a first-team appearance. Exactly. We can't even even sell our first-team players. As ridiculous as the fee for Lukaku was, they covered that in the players that they sold half of whom didn't even play for them. Yeah, it's a, it's a great model there. Um, unless the rules are changed and you're only allowed to loan out a, a certain amount of players. and you're not, I, th- I think I've read something. Uh, I think FIFA are trying to implement that, where they're trying to limit the amount of players you can loan. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be great for Chelsea from a because mm. they're trying to, you know, you know uh, fit in with the... FFP and all that, and that really helps them kind of overcome that uh, scenario because you know that's how they pay for the transfers. Right? Yeah, exactly. So and with if, with where their stadium is as well, you can't really expand any further. Yeah. So if that was taken away from them, then they would lose out on a lot of cash. So mm. I could see them maybe taking that to the European court or something like Manchester City have done in the past with certain issues with FIFA. Yeah. And also uh, because of the way they operate as well, I think, you know, when they had that transfer embargo and when Lampard was in charge, uh, you know, it didn't really affect them, did it? Because <laughs> they could just call on all the kids that they had loaned out who are already at a very decent level. Yeah. And they still finished comfortably in the Champions League spots. Yeah. Yeah. And even when that uh, embargo was announced that January, they went out and, Sign the deal for Christian Pulisic, who was coming in anyway. So you know, they they always find a way to just jump over these hurdles. Yeah, they're 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 a competently run club on like us. Mm. Um, so we're just kind of hoping for change, and what we're not we're not overly optimistic that, that things are going to improve at United in terms of the the boardroom and and, and scouting and so on. But uh, we live in hope. That's all we can do. Because <laughs> if you don't have hope as a football fan, you don't have anything. Then exactly, if we, yeah, yeah, it can only get better, right? Yeah. Well, at least, <laughs> at least the that's performances true. are improving. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that's what I take a, a little bit of pride and joy in now. The fact that there is changes. I mean, it's not at the uh, speed at which we would like it to be at, uh, but the fact that we are seeing little improvements. And then more of it will come in the summer. Uh, and, you know, things like Maguire, you can't coach that, you know. Like those kind of mistakes, you can't coach that. You just have to replace it and try something else. 
Yeah, and he he badly needs replaced. Um, mm. I, I'm not hopeful that he's going to be sold because they won't want to make a massive loss on him. But yeah, he, he I mean, he needs to yeah. be dropped to the bench. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to make anything back, you probably have to. This summer would probably be the time. He turns 29 next month. Yeah, uh, the most they could get for him is probably 30 million, and even that's probably a stretch. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think. If I'm being really optimistic, 40, but even that would be like loads of add-ons and things. I think an upfront fee, you're talking, yeah, somewhere around 30. And the only club who would even pay that is Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. M- maybe an Everton, I could see. Mm, yeah, well, they've wasted tons they... and tons of cash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Rush, and ho- hopefully I'll have you on again sometime. Thank you for having me. It was uh, fantastic being being on. Okay, everyone, give us a wee like on the video, subscribe to the channel, and comment your thoughts down below. And um, we'll see you one again at the weekend.